0: Welcome to the Treatment for ITP and Expert Analysis of Clinical Data presented at ASH 2023 podcast. My name is Haniel Carey, and I am a classical hematologist and clinical investigator at Harvard Medical School and the Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts. In this podcast, I'm happy to provide expert interpretation of new data for current and emerging treatment options of immune thrombocytopenia, abbreviated ITP, presented at the 65th American Society of Hematology Annual Meeting and Exposition in San Diego, California, from December 9th through 12th, 2023. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Treatment for ITP, an expert analysis of clinical data presented at the American Society of Hematology 2023 Clinical Clinic. My name is Haniel Sankeri, and I am a classical hematologist and clinical investigator at the Massachusetts General Hospital and Harvard Medical School in Boston. In this clinical clip, I will provide expert interpretation of new data for current and emerging treatment options of immune thrombocytopenia, or ITP, that were presented at the 65th American Society of Hematology Annual Meeting and Exposition in San Diego, California from December 9th through 12, 2023. So the first abstract I'd like to highlight today is abstract 803, prednisone plus IVIG compared with prednisone alone for immune thrombocytopenia during pregnancy. So immune thrombocytopenia, obviously, as a autoimmune bleeding disorder, causes bleeding and raises anxiety for bleeding. But perhaps the situation where it may raise it the most uh, in clinical practice is in people who are pregnant. This is a, a a common challenge in clinical practice, and the question comes up as to how best to treat these patients. And we know that many of the therapies that we normally would reach for in patients who aren't pregnant are somewhat, uh, uh, you know, there's very little data, or we know they're contraindicated in pregnant patients with ITP. So we know that prednisone and IVIG are two safe options in pregnancy, and this was a study that evaluated and compared prednisone alone versus prednisone plus IVIG. The primary endpoint uh, of this study being overall response defined as a platelet count of greater than or equal to 30,000, including a doubling of the platelet count from baseline and and the absence of bleeding. Secondary endpoints included a complete response platelet count over 100,000 and various other platelet count measurements and platelet counts of the newborn Uh, uh, children as well. So when we evaluate the uh, baseline characteristics of the two cohorts, 50 patients in the combination cohort prednisone plus IVIG, 50 patients in the prednisone only uh, uh, cohort. When we uh, evaluate the baseline characteristics are very similar between the two groups, perhaps more platelet transfusions in the combination cohort uh, prior to delivery. But nevertheless, the outcomes for you know all of these platelet response endpoints were really quite similar with uh, uh, overall response rates being very, very similar. Um, perhaps the one thing that was slightly different was the time to response was about three days shorter, three to four days shorter in the combination cohort, point. 1, four days versus 9.84 days. So when you have your patients who are pregnant with ITP, and you need to treat them uh, with therapy prior to delivery, this is something to consider. The results from the study are something to consider uh, uh, in deciding whether you, you think it's best to treat them with combination therapy or monotherapy. Another abstract I'd like to highlight, which uh, deals with uh, pregnancy in ITP is abstract 1213, the combination of intravenous immunoglobulin and low dose recombinant human thrombopoietin, or RHTPO, for the management of corticosteroid and IVIG monotherapy resistant immune thrombocytopenia in pregnancy. Okay, so these are patients that are pregnant with ITP that received steroids or received IVIG and were resistant to treatment with those therapeutics. There has Recently, been some publications and some presentations at recent ASH meetings pertaining to the use of thrombopoietin receptor agonists uh, in ITP and uh, patients who are pregnant. Remiplistim and eltrombopag. So recombinant human thrombopoietin is actually a first-generation thrombopoietic agent, only available in China. But again, it's a thrombopoietic agent that um, you know additional data uh, pertaining to use in pregnancy is is valuable to recognize, um, even if if you know, the, the agents we would use in the most of the rest of the world would be different, like remiplistim and l This study included uh, 19 patients who are pregnant with ITP um, who were um, uh, treated in China. Um, and the, the long and short of it is that low dose recombinant human thrombopoietin plus IVIG in these patients um, was effective and safe. Um, and the findings um, uh, add to the body of evidence for the use of thrombopoietic agents and patients with ITP who are pregnant. Um, More more for us to think about as it's very unlikely we're ever going to get a randomized controlled trial in this setting. The next abstract I'd like to highlight is abstract 685. Initial report of Part B phase 1 2 efficacy and safety results for Bruton tyrosine kinase inhibitor Rilzabrutinib in patients with relapsed Immune thrombocytopenia. Okay, so last year, 2022, there was a New England Journal of Medicine publication uh, describing the primary study results from this study, a phase one b two study of rilzabrutinib, a novel BTK inhibitor, being developed for use in autoimmune diseases rather than specifically B cell malignancies, uh, in patients with auto, with immune thrombocytopenia. With really quite promising results, the paper was published in the New England Journal of Medicine about a 40% overall response rate in a highly refractory population. This study looked at Part B, this uh, abstract looked at Part B of that study, um, basically the long-term extension. How uh, durable is this response? And you know what does it look like? And as you can see from the figure on this slide, you can see that the patient's uh, had relatively rapid rates of response in the study, mostly within the first two weeks with some delayed responders, and really uh, uh, remarkably durable overall platelet counts with improvement over time. You can see in part B of the figure that there is improvement in those platelet counts even at uh, you know month three, month four, month five of the study, which is really quite interesting and and really, quite unlike you know many of the therapies we use in ITP, like the thrombopoietin receptor agonists, which typically achieve their results, and you know uh, uh, your your platelet count outcomes are more related to the dosing uh, of that agent. And with, with rilzabrutinib, dosing matters, as we know from the published study. But even keeping patients on the same dose, 400 milligrams bid, uh, for extended periods of time, you can continue to see improvements in the platelet count. And that's what we saw in this uh, study that was presented at ASH. So the next study I'd like to discuss is abstract 689, time to achieve platelet count response after intravenous FGAR tigamod in adults with primary immune thrombocytopenia. And this is a sub-analysis of the phase three multi center double blind placebo controlled randomized clinical trial of FGAR, TIGAMOD, and ITP that was actually presented as a plenary abstract uh, last year uh, at, at ASH 2022. So this um, analysis really looked at. Uh, how fast do patients given efgartigimod respond and we can see from the figure i have on the left here the um tigamod arm and uh, the in blue and the placebo arm in gray and we can see that Uh, patients started to respond at the first time point within seven days of treatment, a significant proportion of those patients, and that they continued, we we see that time to response, um, did continue to pick up and that, in fact, even two to three or more months in, um, patients were still having. The, we see the, the curve creep up, and that the first responses were still happening even later on in treatment. So, while most patients tend to respond within the first two months, there were some patients that actually had a first response after that. Um, so, this is uh, interesting data, um, and 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 the the uh, presenters also mentioned that really irrespective of the specific measure of response that was utilized to evaluate response, um, there was at every single time point significantly more patients in the f arm that had responded than the placebo arm, which again um, is uh, reassuring for the efficacy of intravenous f in ITP. So the next abstract I wanted to highlight This abstract 394, the risk of infections in adults with primary immune thrombocytopenia. So we know as an autoimmune disease that there is immune dysregulation in patients with ITP. This study was a very well done cohort study um, from the Danish National Patient Registry that looked at 4,030 ITP patients, primary ITP patients, and 161,000 matched comparators, and I think the results really speak for themselves. Um, when we look at the figure that that the presenters showed, the rate of infections in the ITP patients, the cumulative cumulative incidence of infections, was just so much higher in in patients with ITP compared with their well matched comparators. All right, and 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 within the first year, the rates were. Just that much greater, and, and I have here adjusted hazard ratios for the infection subtypes, and it, it breaks it out by first year and, you know, second through fifth year, and so on and so forth. And we see that the forest plot shows much higher hazard ratios from four from the four to eight range in many cases um, uh, for infections in the first year. But even the, the the risk is continues to be increased in subsequent years. And and you know, it, it's a it's an excellent question as to why that the increase is so much more in the first year. And I suspect, and I think the presenters of the study, I know the presenters of the study mentioned this as a possibility as well, that this could be related to corticosteroid use, right? We use more corticosteroids in the first year. This should really serve as a warning to us not to overuse corticosteroids and ITP to only use them when absolutely necessary and that we should be reaching for other therapies. And this needs to be considered when we talk about using immunosuppressants in ITP and use of splenectomy in ITP. I think it's really important to consider uh, uh, these things. The last abstract that I'd like to highlight for you today, abstract 392, Avatrombopag for adults with early versus chronic immune thrombocytopenia, was an abstract that uh, I had the pleasure of presenting at ASH. Um, and this abstract evaluated and compared early use avatrombopag, avatrombopag given in the first year of disease, where it's technically off-label in the vast majority of the world, um, including the United States and uh, most or all of Europe, um, uh, comparing those the outcomes of those patients with those patients with chronic ITP. ITP with a di- disease duration of greater than one year. And you know the hypothesis in this study was that there would not be any significant difference between the efficacy and, I should say, effectiveness, because this is a, a cohort study, and safety uh, uh, in patients with early uh, use avatrombipag versus avatrombipag use in later phase chronic disease. And that's exactly what we found. So there was no significant difference. Um, and and this is really quite relevant because in many countries, it's impossible to get Ava Peg early on because of the label, and in certain places it's quite difficult to get because of label. But Ava Pag itself has uh, significant or cer- I should say certain advantages over the other two TPORAs that are approved for ITP in most of the world, Ripple Seminole um uh, in that uh, compared with l for example, it doesn't have a signal for hepatotoxicity. It doesn't have absorption issues, um, with absorption reduced by certain uh, cations in the diet, like calcium and magnesium. Um, and it doesn't have any impact on uh, the color of bodily fluids, uh, and it doesn't chelate iron. Um, and compared with remiplostim, it's oral. So, you know, having access to this uh, newer thromboportin receptor agonist in patients with earlier phase disease obviously could be an improvement in health related quality of life for those patients and avoid some of the issues that we have with some of the other agents. Um, importantly, also uh, there was there were very low rates of thromboembolic disease in these patients uh, in this study, um, much lower actually than the um, randomized controlled phase two and phase three studies of avatrombopag and ITP. Um, and so, this being uh, the the largest uh, uh, real world cohort uh, of avatrombopag use in ITP by patient years at risk, thus uh, 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 published. Um, it, it, it reassures us about some of the rates of thromboembolism that we did see initially in those phase three studies. So that concludes uh, my overview of the top ITP studies presented at the American Society of Hematology meeting and ASH Clinical CLIPS. So in closing, thank you for your attention uh, for this ASH Clinical CLIPS treatment for ITP and expert analysis of clinical data presented at ASH 2023. It's been my pleasure to take you through some of these top abstracts in ITP at ASH 2023. Thank you for listening to this podcast, Treatments for ITP and Expert Analysis of Clinical Data Presented at the American Society of Hematology 2023 Annual Meeting. Please go to the activity page on practicepointcme.com to complete the post-test and evaluation to receive continuing education credit.